All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome um, back. Welcome to back. Episode two of season two. Um, happy Friday, if you're listening on the day that this comes out. I'm Alexis. I'm Leah. And yeah. <laughs> That's pretty much it. That's pretty much it. Before we get into the news. I do have something to share. Yes. Um, very quick story. I was in my economics class today and basically every economics professor at bu like hates aoc is conservative is a middle-aged white man my current economics professor he's also a middle-aged white man but his concentration is in the environment so he's like woke and liberal so today we were talking about like labor and environmental standards and basically he was like giving the pros and cons for having a minimum wage and he was like you know, I'm not going to force my opinion on anyone. I really want to provide like a balanced two-sided point of view, but to just be really clear, like I support a minimum wage. And I was like, yes, King. I know that doesn't sound revolutionary, but if you've ever had an economics professor, they all like hate minimum wage and like workers' rights. Yeah. Hyping up middle-aged white men for the bare minimum. I also today, you know what the Lincoln Project is? Yeah. Okay. For anyone that doesn't know what the Lincoln Project is, it's basically this group of Republicans, like, I'm talking high-level strategists. Like, one of the, the founder of it was, like, the main campaign operative for John McCain in 2008. Like, they are, like, Republican strategists. And they've basically created this new group. They're against Trump. They're running ads against Trump. They're endorsing Joe Biden. So... I'm in class this morning and we watched this 60 minute segment about them and my professor's like any thoughts and I when I participate in class I like to kind of like play the middle ground I like to just kind of you know be not like super opinionated unless it like really comes to that so I'm like yeah I think it's like really refreshing just to see like in this age of partisanship and partisanship to the point of hypocrisy with like Mitch McConnell and partisanship to the point where you're defending someone that's insulted you and your wife Ted Cruz like, it's refreshing to see people, like, go against their party or whatever. And everyone in my class starts tearing me apart. Not everyone. It was, like, two people. We're like, well, it's obviously, like, they're smart. Like, they're obviously not just doing it for the greater good. Like, they have their own interest at heart. And I'm like, yes. And not to hype up middle-aged white Republicans like Mitt Romney or, like, the Lincoln Project guys for literally doing the bare minimum. But I feel like it you know, it's kind of nice. No, I I agree with that. Like, yes, it's the bare minimum. But again, Mitt Romney voting to impeach Trump, Mitt Romney going to a Black Lives Matter protest. Those are things that are revolutionary within his party. And we should provide appreciation for that. And even if the Lincoln Project guys are doing this so that when we're in like post-Trump Republican Party, so that they can, you know, do things for their own interest. Okay, awesome. Because even though I don't agree with the Republican Party on, like, legitimately anything, I would rather have the John McCain, Mitt Romney political Republican Party than the Trump Republican Party. Like, I don't like either, but I'd rather have, like, normalcy than straight-up fascism from Trump. So, like, if the Lincoln Project guys are just trying to do something for their own gain in the future, go ahead. Because Trump is the enemy. <laughs> Summary, Trump is the enemy. Yes. Should we get into the news since we've already kind of started talking about politics? Yep, and we can just talk more about how Trump is the enemy. All right, let's get into the news. Good morning. Good morning. 
All right, I think it's time to get into the news. Take it away, Alexis. All right, so the Senate hearings about the nomination of Amy Coney Barrett to the Supreme Court started on Monday, and they're wrapping up today, day of recording. So when you're listening to this, we won't have anything from the final day, but let's just go through all of the days thus far, which is Monday through Wednesday. So day one. So basically, if you didn't know this, the Republicans control the Senate. And even though a few Republican senators have said that they won't vote to confirm Amy Coney Barrett to the Supreme Court, considering the precedent that they set, oh, I don't know, four years ago, um, the Republicans still have the numbers to confirm her. So basically, this is less about trying to persuade Republican senators Um, Because as we've said before, there's a lot of like unity within the Republican Party. They're going really steadfast behind this. So this is more about taking this time to speak directly to the American people. Um, So Democrats stressed the Affordable Care Act and whether or not she would vote um, to like put more restrictions on it. Um, This is especially important, obviously, right now. We're talking about health care and a pandemic. It was a speaking point for Biden at the debate a few weeks ago um, because the Supreme Court is expected to hear a case about this. Um, And there was also a question if she would recuse herself from any election-related cases. And she didn't really answer. Something that's interesting about this that I just kind of want to add on is we think of, like, recusing yourself. I don't know why I can't say that word. Recusing yourself as, like, not voting, taking yourself out because you're going to be biased. But it's kind of like voting in another sense. Because if you recuse yourself, you know what the final numbers are going to end up being. So her recusing herself is not her being unbiased. It's either she votes by actually voting or she takes herself out. So just something to keep in mind. Also, Alexis talked a little bit about like the idea that Republicans control the Senate. And what we mean by that is you only need 51 votes to confirm a Supreme Court justice. And there's 53 Republican senators. So even if two decide not to, they still have enough votes. So there are Democrats in the Senate. There's just more Republican senators. Yeah, they have the political control. It's not like there's 90 Republican senators. They're just like dominating. There's 53. Um, Let's go into day two. Okay, again, recusal. Is that a word? Recusal? No idea. Okay, whether Judge Barrett will recuse herself comes up again. Um, She talks about, oh my God. So she talks about how her faith won't influence her decisions. She talks about precedent, but most importantly, she uses the term sexual preference to describe the LGBTQ community. And then like a Senate, a Democratic senator fired back and was like, you can't use that term because sexual preference implies that you choose your sexuality and no one chooses their sexuality. And she kind of was just like, yeah, sorry. Like, like it was pretty, like she was getting attacked by this Democratic senator and she was like, I didn't mean anything by it. Yeah. Also, there was that whole thing about the notepad where she like wasn't using notes and everyone was like, oh my God, she doesn't need notes. And then the next day, some guy, some senator is like, what are the five freedoms guaranteed from the First Amendment? And she couldn't name all of them. Happens to the best of us. She was like, she goes speech assembly religion uh what am i missing and i and i was just like um press girl (laughs) 
Oh, yeah, she said press, but she forgot petition the government to address grievances. Oh, that's actually a hard one. I mean, she is applying to be a Supreme Court justice, and I'm 20 years old, and I could probably get those, but... You were also on Constitution team. But the f- she's also only been a judge for three years, which I found out yesterday. Oh, what? She's only been a judge since 2017. Okay, let's move on to day three. So day three, yeah, so basically the five freedoms thing... But Lindsey Graham praised her for her pro-life views because it will give a voice to women. Pro-life women, just to clarify. Is this adding up to anyone? No. So she also refused to discuss climate change by saying it's a very contentious matter of public debate. Basically, she was asked, do you think COVID-19 is infectious? And she was like, yes. And then it was like, do you think climate change is real? And she was like, well, I can't answer that. I can't answer that. It's like it's a yes or no question. Like, like it's pretty simple. And then Lindsey Graham decided to... Lindsey Graham needs to be canceled. <laughs> Lindsey Graham decided to play a little fun rhetorical game with everyone by... So he was talking about... So he said, like, we're going back to the good old days of segregation, which I think would be funny if it was not said by Lindsey Graham in a Senate Judicial Committee hearing to confirm Amy Coney Barrett. Like, I'm like I'm going to be honest. Like, if like I, he said something like, do you support going back to the good old days of segregation? And it's like, shut Like, he was clearly up. being sarcastic, but there's something about a white man making a joke about the good old days of segregation that doesn't sit right with me. That Or maybe it's just my hatred of Lindsey Graham, but I don't know. Like, <laughs> I don't know. And, like, they kept asking her questions, and she, like, couldn't answer them. Like, and she kind of, like, refused to answer. Like, talking about Trump's powers, she was just kind of like, ah. And it's like, girl, you are trying to be on the Supreme Court, and you can't answer a yes or no question. I will say this hearing was, like, a lot more civil than the Kavanaugh hearing, probably because she's not a sexual predator, but that's just my thought. I don't know. Um, So... That's all I'm going to say about that and the whole civil thing, because I hate Justice Kavanaugh. Yeah. Anyway, let's talk about more annoying things. Trump. So Trump got the Supreme Court to allow him to end the 2020 census on Thursday, October 15th. So if you're listening on Friday, yesterday. And the reason that this is important is it'll deny households who didn't submit their census yet. Hopefully you've submitted your census. Please do so. And you must be thinking, okay, yeah, census, whatever. Why does it really matter? One, it determines electoral college votes for the next decade. Two, it determines seats in Congress for the House of Representatives. And three, it determines, like, funding for, like, cities that have, like, a huge immigrant population. So that's really important. Basically, the census is really, really important, and him cutting it early is not only dangerous, but it goes to show you, like, what our Supreme Court is going to look like in the future with this huge conservative majority. (laughs) I love how you were like, if you haven't done it, please do it, even though... Oh, yeah. It's over. Well... Yeah, the census is very important, um, and I don't understand... There's a lot of things I don't understand. Like, I don't understand why it's not a requirement to do it. Like, your taxes? Yeah, it really should be. But it, I mean, like, I have my own theories of why it's not. Is it so white men can keep their power? Uh, who said that? Speaking of white men yeah, keeping their of power. White men, let's talk about voting. 
More specifically, voter suppression. So voter suppression is a big issue. It's been an issue forever. Um, things like having really long lines at polling places when other polling places close. Things like having um, like ballot drop-off locations close or being closed, which is happening a lot. Because basically, not a lot of people can afford to wait 12 hours in line to vote. And in these, you know, minority-heavy, poor areas where Republicans don't really get the votes, sometimes they like to suppress people. Like, there was this whole, like, clip from, like, 1970-something where some Republican guy... Wow, I love knowing what I'm actually talking about. But he was like, yeah, like, when more people vote, we lose. So we want as as little people to vote as possible, Um, which is awesome. But basically... What is happening right now, besides all of that, is that the California Republican Party admitting admitted to placing ballot drop-off boxes that are misleading. So they've been popping up over the past two weeks near, like, churches and gun shops and offices with a white paper label identifying them as a ballot drop-off box. So to the average voter, they're pretty much indistinguishable from actual drop-off sites that are, like, state-regulated. Because if you're just, like, an average Joe and you see a ballot drop-off box, is your first thought really going to be like, oh, this is probably fake and a hoax? Like, no. Um, Nothing's being done about this. So, awesome. If you want to hear more about voter suppression, I'm writing an entire article about it for Boston Political Review. Not to plug myself, but I will let you know it's when it's out and you can hear me rant about voter suppression and all the ways that it's happening currently right now. But we can also talk about how the Electoral College is the biggest form of voter suppression that there is. But we'll get into that in a later. Alexis could talk about how much she hates the Electoral College for oh, a I whole could. 50 minutes. That's why I have to cut her off or else she'll be like, I'm so glad to get into it. Also, I know that you heard her say 12 hours earlier for voting and you're thinking, huh, that's an overstatement. So in Georgia, voters waited in lines as long as 11 hours. So that wasn't an over-exaggeration. Voter suppression, it's real. Yeah. Um, I was watching a John Oliver episode, I think his most recent episode, um, which was talking about like voting and voter suppression. And he, there was this video of this guy that watched an entire season of Curb Your Enthusiasm while in line to vote. Wow. Honestly, like, I'm gonna be honest, I like really want to vote. I mean, I'm, I am voting, I'm voting by mail, but I wouldn't stand in line for 12 hours. Like, I'm going to be honest. Like, I would not do that. Like, I don't have the time in my day to stand in line for 12 hours to vote. And, like, that's coming from me, or just a random college student with no job. Like, imagine these people that are working full time and, like, like they can't go stand in 12 hours. They have, they have things to do. It's horrible. Speaking of more voting, the Senate race this year is really, really competitive. So 14 of the Senate races look competitive. 12 of those 14 are held by Republicans. Democrats need to win at least five of the 14 to retake a Senate majority. Why is this important? Senators determine legislation. Senators determine Supreme Court nominations. They determine district lines. So if you want less gerrymandering, I would vote for a Democrat. Which you should. 
which you should, but we won't get too deep into that. So it's not only important to vote just to vote for the president, but it's also important to vote for your senators, for your representatives, for local legislation that's being passed, because oftentimes that will affect you more than federal legislation. So please, please, please vote. Make sure to look up what is going to be on your ballots. That way, when you show up to the polls, you're not like, what is all of this? Um, I will be voting as soon as I can, as soon as early voting opens up in Massachusetts. I will be voting in person. so It I will opens be... on Saturday. Oh, spicy. I will let you know how that process goes, how long I wait in line, if I'm harassed, etc. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so, but anyways. The final, final story. The final story. There was supposed to be a presidential debate tonight, aka last night, if you're listening tomorrow. But... There was supposed to be a debate, and then you, you know how, like, Trump had, like, you know, COVID-19. Remember when that was, like, a thing, but now he doesn't have it, and now everyone's confused? Anyways, so originally the debate was supposed to be virtual, and Trump was like, I'm not doing that. And then the debate was canceled, and then Biden was going to—Biden is holding a town hall um, that's going to be on ABC— at 8 p.m. And then Trump recently announced that he is also going to be doing a town hall, um, but on NBC at the exact same time. So, so you can't watch both? So it's not like you can watch Biden's town hall at 8 and then switch over to Trump's town hall at 9 and really get the full story. You have to pick one, which I think is very funny. I think that, I mean, if you're listening, you know, obviously the numbers will already be out about viewership. If we want to make predictions. I think that more people will watch Biden's? See, I disagree. I think more people are going to watch Trump's, but that doesn't indicate, like, Trump supporters, because I think I'm going to watch Trump's. Oh, yeah. Because I'm like, I kind of already know what Biden stands for. I just want to see what Trump says. Yeah, that is fair. I also think that no matter what, Trump is going to take this as, like, indicative of, like, his voters, even though, like, there's a lot of people that are going to watch that can't vote, like, blah 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 like tv viewership does not equate to anything but i think it'll be funny because if he gets less viewers he's gonna be like uh they're stifling me the liberal media but if he gets more viewers he's gonna be like we are the silent majority trump 2020 everyone loves me i'm winning joe biden you're ugly and old Also, what's really interesting is NBC is facing a lot of backlash. That's the network that's choosing to host the Trump Town Hall. Um, And their reason for hosting it at the exact same time, 8 p.m. Eastern, is that they believe that hosting it at 9 or 10 p.m. Eastern would give Trump an advantage as more Americans tend to watch TV at that time. I don't know if I buy that. I mean, I'm sure that's true, but whatever. They also could have hosted it on a different night, but they said that they could only host it on that night because it's the only night that President Trump is free. That doesn't add up to me. Also, I don't really think that NBC is to blame. And I know that that's a hot take. But if they didn't accept to host the town hall, another network would have. It's a great viewership opportunity. It makes sense in terms of money. I think President Trump is the one to blame. He's being a big baby. He doesn't want to go to another debate because he knows he's going to perform badly because he doesn't actually have any policies. Also, I think that you you can fairly criticize not only NBC, but news media outlets as a whole nbc abc fox etc like cbs are they a news channel i have no idea but you know trump is very good for viewership trump draws a lot of viewers and you know like 
the reason that NBC is really getting criticized is you're like, why are you giving Trump this platform? I mean, like, first of all, he is the president. He has the biggest platform of literally anyone ever. Um, so I think it's kind of an unfair criticism. I think that there is something inherently wrong with media organizations using politics as like a money grab. But that's just the life that we like. We live in a society like, you know, you know. So that is the news, the very long news. I'm sorry, our news segments just keep getting longer and longer. But during election season, it's just going to be that way. There's too much going on, and it's all happening so quickly. So I think we should get into the actual episode topic for this week. Yes. They say you're a little much for me. You're a liability. You're a little much for me. So they pull back, make other plans. I All right, let's get into the episode topic. All right. So we're talking about burnout. We're talking about seasonal depression. We're talking about, you know, everything that's affecting mental health, especially right now. Um, so let's start with burnout. So burnout is this phenomenon. I feel like the best way to describe it is not being able to complete tasks that you want to complete, but you feel that you don't have the energy to do so. So I feel like a really good example is like, if I want to send a package to a friend, I have it ready, I put the address, like it is ready to be sent. And I just have to go around the corner to drop it off. But I feel like I can't. Like there's something preventing me from doing so. And it's not necessarily that I don't have the time, but it's like by the time that I've reached the end of my day, I'm just so tired that I don't want to do so. And you might be thinking, okay, but like, what are you doing in that time instead? What are you scrolling on social media? But using your free time to be on social media is not a good indication that you're not experiencing burnout. It's instead, it's something that's like so automatic that you just kind of sit and scroll, but you could be wanting to do other things. I don't know if anyone else has faced this, but you're laying in bed late at night, scrolling through TikTok, and you're tired, you want to go to bed, and then you look at your phone and 40 minutes has passed, and you're so upset because you were so ready to go to sleep, but you were distracted by social media. That's actually not your fault. That's the way that the app is designed. It's designed to keep you engaged, to keep you hooked, to take all of your time. They're doing this on purpose. There's a really interesting Netflix documentary that talks all about like how social media is using people. It's called The Social Dilemma, and they have people from former tech companies come in and explain like, how notifications work and why they work the way they do, et cetera. Well, I feel like with burnout, it's, I feel like what you described is more like depression. Burnout is like pretty specific to like academic and professional sense where you feel like you don't have motivation to complete things like writing an essay because you're so exhausted from, not that you're, definition was inaccurate I just think that more specifically with like academic and like professional you know like if you've also if you've been working at the same job for so long you're not going to feel like motivated to complete your task you're going to hate it you're tired you're bogged down um so burnout now I think is more prevalent burnout is like a is a huge issue you know, the 40-hour work week is kind of designed to create burnout. That's why everyone's like, yes, the weekend. And like, you know, if you're a college student, you're probably burnt out from the amount of assignments that are piling up on you. I feel like it's harder now because of the pandemic. Because one, if you're working 
and you're working online i feel like zoom we touched on this last week about how zoom classes are like hell on earth but zoom is so hard because it's really hard to stay focused on a computer screen number one like being in an office and being you know like trying to pay attention to a meeting or trying to pay attention in class is already hard enough but when you have to look at your computer for a long time it is very hard you're also not getting out as much because obviously things are closed it's also getting colder which will tie into seasonal depression like in a few minutes but I just feel like burnout was a lot more prevalent. I feel like I got burnt out this semester faster than I've been burnt out in other semesters just because I don't like online learning. I don't think it's conducive for me. I'm not a fan. Um, But also the news ties into burnout as well. Yeah, I mean, and I think a lot of times we can only speak to Gen Z because we are Gen Z. So it's hard for us to like talk about other generations and like fully understand their experiences but just from our standpoint we're living through a pandemic it's a very uncertain time and it's also very political politically taxing you see you've seen the rise of like white supremacists and hate groups and i know that like we joke about it it's very much a coping mechanism it's very scary when you see the rise of white supremacy we are two minority women they don't really tend to like us very much um so that's also really scary and just like i'm from portland oregon And with the Black Lives Matter movement, the way that the president has been responding has been really destructive. There was federal troops a block from my apartment every night for a really long time. I could hear tear gas every night before I went to bed. Like, that's not really normal. So I think that also ties in to, like, with mental health. And then something else that I want to talk more about, which Alexis touched on, is, like, seasonal depression. And there's predictions that seasonal depression is going to be even worse with the pandemic. Because before you're in mass, it's four degrees. It's hard to convince yourself to go outside, but you do it because your friends are like, no, we're doing this and we're all going together. And, like, maybe you don't really feel like going and then you go and you have a great time, et cetera, et cetera. Now you can't do that. You're not supposed to be hanging out with big groups of people. And even if you are hanging out with a big group of people, what are you going to do that you're allowed to do that's open? Yeah, I feel like um, just like in my own experience, I mean, like I experienced seasonal depression on top of like regular depression. It gets really spicy in the wintertime because number one, it's cold. I mean, if you live in anywhere in the north, anywhere that it gets cold, you know, it's cold. We live in Boston and I'm also from Connecticut. So I've been experiencing these temperatures for my entire life. It's freezing. You don't want to go outside. Um, It also gets dark a lot earlier and sunlight gives you vitamin D, which like gives you happiness. I don't really know how that works, but sunlight makes you happy. Okay. That's my very brief scientific explanation. And when it gets dark, I find that I am not one of those people that can work at night. I'm just not. I like to work during the day. And when it gets dark at like 4 p.m. when you're leaving class, you know, like I remember like last year I would have this, I had this lab that went to like 5.30 p.m. and I would leave and it would be dark. And I had no motivation to do anything because I just associate dark with nighttime, nighttime asleep. I don't want to do anything, you know? So it's a lot harder to stay focused on tasks. It's a lot harder to go out and do things. And I feel like, you know, specifically with us, we aren't allowed to have people in our apartments you know, and there's not really a lot of communal meeting spaces on campus because everything is like one person per table, you know, whatever. And when it gets really cold, we're not gonna be able to go out and have a picnic or, you know, really do anything. So it's like, there's this sense of isolation that comes with seasonal depression anyway, but especially in a pandemic where you can't just be having a constant stream of people in your life. Yeah. 
I think what's really interesting with the conversation about mental health and just mental illness in combination is that a lot of older generations perceive our generation as complaining when in effect in whoa one more time when in effect I think we just have a more heightened awareness of what's going on and I think that's something important to note so I know that like parents are like I feel like all kids have mental illnesses these days one that's not true two if your child does have a mental illness they're probably not lying about it like that's not something fun and quirky and cool to lie about but on the flip side I do think that we our generation is in like a culture of like enjoying being sad and enjoying being miserable together and especially on social media not on like instagram where everyone's promoting their best aspects of their life more on like tiktok where people get dark humor is very common that's what's interesting about social media too instagram is perfect life look at all my friends look at how happy i am etc tiktok is like my life is falling apart and i will advertise it to anyone that listens exactly also you have the rise of like (laughs) private snapchat stories or people like will complain loudly these days or i feel like it was less accepted beforehand but you also have to think like that's also like a coping mechanism for a lot of people and i'm not really sure how healthy that is i don't really know if like advertising your trauma online to a bunch of random strangers is really like your best course of action but i know that like people's instagrams where you have like this completely curated photoshopped at times like version of yourself if you're just a regular person looking at like some you know like influencer that can also hurt your mental health because you're like i'm not as good as right and whatever instagram model you know and i also think that so this is like kind of a weird connection that I'm going to bring up, but it's just on my mind. So I'm, if you're in like the BU area, you've heard of this like very controversial podcast. It's called Call Her Daddy. They mostly talk about sex, whatever. The reason I'm bringing it up is they did talk about like girls catfishing using Instagram, making themselves appear and look glowing way. And then they show up to a guy's house and they don't look that way. They used numbers, which I have a whole issue with categorizing people by numbers, but they're like, this girl looked like a nine or 10 on Instagram and then she shows up and she's a three or four. What they don't take into account, which doesn't surprise me, is why are girls feeling that they have to Photoshop themselves? Why are girls feeling like they have to live up to a certain standard? Why are they feeling like they're not pretty enough at their natural beauty? Is it because we're classifying them as threes and fours without even knowing their personality? Like, that's something that I think is really, really toxic, is just assuming people's worth either just based on their looks just based on something that you don't know about them just based on their social media maybe someone seems really really cool over the internet and maybe they're not maybe they've actually done really bad things am influencers A-M. i don't know why i said A-M. but i just think that 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 also ties in to mental health and there's also like a lot of harmful language like and I'm guilty of this too. Like, I'll be like, I'm depressed. I am not depressed. I don't have depression. I'm not diagnosed with depression. I am sad. I am feeling sad in this moment. Depression is not, I am feeling sad in this moment. Depression is a mental illness. It is a chemical imbalance. It is a real thing. And I, yet I say I am depressed. And I get upset when people say, oh, I have anxiety when they don't because I do have anxiety. It's like, you don't have anxiety, you are anxious. Yeah. You are anxious in this moment. It's important to make those classifications. Because I think that that's really difficult for people. And like, just 
on a very personal note, like I do experience anxiety attacks, not like frequently, but like relatively common more than I would like to admit. And they're hard to deal with, but I've also like learned tactics to deal with them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's really important. And that's the thing about mental illness. It's like, it's never going to go away. And as dark as that sounds, you're gonna have to live with it for the rest of your life. But it's what strategies do you develop to cope with it, to handle it in a healthy way. Yeah. Um, Oh, yes. I wanted to bring something up regarding mental health. Is that mental health on campus, I don't know if you have any experience with this. I don't. But I recently found out that if you want to make an appointment with behavioral medicine, which is like BU's counseling thing, you have to call them. Like, they won't let you make an appointment online. Like, you have to call and speak to someone. They want Gen Z to pick up a phone. And, like, And speak to someone. And, like, we can make these jokes about how, like, Gen Z never wants to call people, which is true. But also, if you suffer from anxiety, you're not going to want to call someone to make an appointment. Also, I feel like, if anything, mental health should be something you can book online because... It's very stigmatized, and I know that obviously for calling mental health services, they're not going to be like, oh, look at you, stupid, depressed bitch. But like, <laughs> oh, they're not? <laughs> the thought of calling someone and getting a secretary and being, being like, hi, I want to make an appointment because I'm super depressed. Like, I don't want to do that. Like, I just, I would like to just book it on. And they have some reason. They're like, well, we want you to call so that we can really, like, you know, really speak to you. And it's like, no. I, I don't know. That's just something that bothers me kind of a little bit. Also, what are you going to do? Call, make an appointment, and it's over what? Zoom? Hell on earth? Yeah, After no. you've been on Zoom all day for your classes, you're going to get on Zoom again to talk about your mental health issues. Possibly, most likely, unless you're bawling, you have a roommate that's going to be there. Right. It's probably going to hear you. And you have that awkward tension on Zoom because you can't physically interact with anyone. You don't know when anyone's speaking. Yeah, like I hate Zoom. I don't know. I, was, I would see TikToks of people being like, I have my therapy session over Zoom and my mom is in the next room and my mom is the reason I'm going to therapy. Which I think is kind of, it's like, I mean, that's sad, but it's like also kind of funny. <laughs> but when you think about like having other people like in your family have to hear what you're saying on Zoom, like, oh my God, I would never do a Zoom therapy appointment. Like, I'm going to be completely honest. I just wouldn't. I could not do that. Um, and, like, obviously, there's nothing that we can do because it's a pandemic and, you know, we can't have... And if you're going to Zoom therapy, I know people are going to Zoom therapy. It's helping them. It's working. Don't you go off, queen. Don't take our negativity and be like, oh, well, they say Zoom therapy is stupid, so clearly all the progress I make... We're just complaining, okay? Yeah. We Probably if we went to Zoom therapy, we would be doing much better. Yeah. Why did I... St- like struggle to also get that out of my mouth um so speaking of therapy um which neither of us attend um (laughs) what are some things that you can do to cope with either regular depression seasonal depression mental health in general because you don't have to be depressed to be sad that's literally just a fact um so what are some things that you can do to make yourself feel better take advice from us people who do not have their lives together who are mentally ill right <laughs> so i'm going to talk about some of my tips that i use um and one of them for me is like 
Again, Alexis mentioned this, a big thing of seasonal depression, which again, I don't have, but just of being also, I am a very anxious person, I have anxiety, is talking to people. Because sometimes I'll get this in my head that like people hate me, they don't. So just like being able to reach out to my friends and also having my friends reach out to me, like I, there are certain people that I want to hear from every single day. And if they don't talk to me every single day, I would be very upset and distressed. Um, and so like they know that I know that and so just that like constant communication is like important even if it's like like Alexis will send me TikToks it's not like she's like hey checking in and then if something's wrong it gives me the window to be like oh my god you're not gonna believe what just happened yeah blah 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 blah. I agree with that I we are both extroverts um so we are both people that like like social interaction love talking to people like I have a very like close circle of friends and I like talk to them every single day I two of my friends I talk to on the phone every single day mostly and my friends that aren't here and then my friends that are here talk to them every single day I see them most days I mean like I live with one of my best friends so like it's very easy for me to stay social but I do like people reaching out to me me reaching out to people I think that's something that's very good for mental health because a lot of people also isolate themselves um as like a coping mechanism um and it's just nice like you know when you're feeling sad and you get like a text from your friend it is very nice so i would say check in on your friends but don't make it weird don't make it don't don't be like hey there buddy you've been like okay here's here's a little example um if let's say that i was exhibiting concerning things right and leah calls me or leah like is like hey let's hang out and she's like hey, like, how have you been feeling lately? Giving me the opportunity to be like, oh, I've been kind of sad. Like, I don't know. Don't, like, text your friends and be like, hey, you depressed bitch. You've been really sad and annoying lately. So we're going to have to work on that. Because that just further, not only stigmatizes, like, mental illness on the whole, but it also just, like, makes your friend seem like a burden. And let me tell you, no one with, like, mental health problems wants to feel like a burden. Ever. Ever. And I think also it's really important, too, to, like, sometimes start with, like, a soft opening. So let's say Alexis and I are hanging out. We have things that we regularly discuss. Drama that does not pertain to us, doesn't affect us literally in any way, based on a fake reality TV show. So we'll meet up. We'll talk about it. We'll be like, oh, my God, did you see the episode where blah, blah, blah did this or cheated on this person? This right? is not how it works because we watch it together. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll be, like, talking about it. Yeah. And then as, like, a soft lead-in, maybe after we've been talking, I don't know, for, like, 30 minutes because we talk way too much, I can be like, hey, like, I noticed blank. Like, are you feeling okay? Mm-hmm. I also feel like we are also constant complainers and we will tell each other, we will, we will also start off the conversation with like, my life sucks. Let me tell you about it. But if you have friends that aren't like that, people that like to, you know, inhibit their feelings, don't really want to talk about them um, in a joking or a serious context, people that tend to bottle a lot of things up. Again, I would go in with the like, hey, like, how have you been feeling? Like, give them the opportunity to tell you. Don't accuse them of anything. Another mental health tip that we have is working out. And let me explain this one because I know, I know this is good. People are going to be like, shut up. No one likes to work out. And I also stand by that. But I think that either if you like going to the gym, 
that can be really therapeutic. It gets you to not think about anything else. You're in a space where you can work out. If it's nice outside, going for just a five minute walk will provide you so much clarity. Or even like sometimes I'll like want to go on an evening walk and I'll make like an excuse. Like I'll be like, hey, Alexis, do you want to come to Target with me? Neither one of us actually need to go to Target. Probably won't buy anything from Target, but just the act of like getting out, walking there and walking back. Mm -hmm. Also that social interaction of walking with someone, that's something that we can do during the pandemic. So like if you're someone who's feeling really, really isolated, maybe ask one of your friends, hey, every Wednesday, because you know each other's class schedule, do you want to go on a walk at this time? And you, it doesn't need to be super long. It doesn't need to be like this like really intense workout, but just like getting up, getting your feet moving, getting out of your dorm or your apartment can be really, really healthy. Yeah. And I, I know I'll like use the excuse of like iced coffee of like, hey, do you want to get coffee with me? And like, even again, going out, getting the coffee, sitting and yeah. drinking the coffee and walking back. Like I'll go and I won't even get a coffee. I just, I don't know. Because personally, I, I don't run. Um, I have two very best friends who make fun of me for not running. They're like, come run with me. And I'm like, no. And they're like, come run with me. And I'm like, no. Dealt with this every single day since like April. But um, I love walking. I think walking is very fun. Solo walks are very nice if you want to clear your head. You don't feel like having social interaction. Um, I like to walk through Brookline, look at all the nice houses, think about how I'll never have one and keep it moving, listen to music. It's very fun. It's very therapeutic. Also, walking with people is also very nice. Um, you can also walk through, house, you know, Brookline, look at the houses together. But, you know, I think it's very nice just to be out, to get fresh air, even if it is cold, even if it is kind of dark, just the act of like getting out of bed because that's something that a lot of people with depression struggle with like sometimes I find myself like kind of stuck in bed and I don't want to leave and I don't want to do anything but like pushing yourself out there but don't like force yourself and then like you're like outside and you're unhappy just you know try to get yourself to go outside it is very nice um and then a final tip that I have is like planning things we're both big planners so take this the biggest of planners Plan something on the weekend that you're going to do that you're excited to do, that you like to do. So like this, I had a midterm this week. Hopefully it went well. We'll see. Um, but so I really had to study the majority of the weekend and I knew that, but it was a long weekend. So I said, okay, there's going to be one day where you don't do any studying at all and you just have like a fun day. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go to the apple orchard and then I'm going to bake pumpkin muffins. Pretty simple. Not anything like... Nice fall autumnal activities. Right. But I was looking forward to it all week that it pushed me through the week. I was like, you just have to grind for one more day. Or like, it was literally counting down the days. And when the day came, I was so excited. It's not like I overhyped myself. I was having a great time. Mm -hmm. And like, of course, when it, it was over and I had to study for the rest of the weekend, was I a little sad? Yes. But then I just planned something for the next weekend mm -hmm. to look forward to. So if you're someone who's like, really doesn't want to get get out and go do things make a plan with another person of something that you really want to do because that person will reach out to you and will hold you accountable or vice versa yeah. they have a rough week and they're like hey do you still want to do this thing you're gonna be like yeah like i was looking forward to it yeah also but it's also like we say like go out and do a bunch of things because we're like very extroverted people but it's important that like just do something that makes you happy if what makes you happy is staying in your house and watching gilmore girls or some other tv show all day 
do it. Give your, allow yourself time to have fun and rest, no matter what that activity is. I'm also a big proponent of planning a fun activity each weekend. Sometimes I do stuff alone, like if my friends are busy or don't want to go. Like a few weeks ago, I went to, um, I went thrifting by myself. It was very nice. It was very relaxing. You know, took a nice little walk over there, got some pants. I'm currently wearing these pants, but you can't see, so it doesn't matter. But got some nice pants. I was like, yes, this is so fun. Like we love retail therapy, even though I'm very responsible with my money and can't really shop that much. But yeah. Like, it's nice, you know, to plan out things with your friends because, like, again, we are very extroverted people. But if you just want to, like, have a weekend to yourself, if you're, like, if you have too much going on during the week and you just want to, like, I just want to be by myself, that's very nice. Give yourself time to rest. I don't have any fun activity planned for this weekend. You'll think of one. I'll help you think of one. I mean, I'm going to New Hampshire next weekend. Oh, that's really exciting. Yeah. I will say that the final tip that I have, which some of you might roll your eyes at, is I've been starting to meditate very regularly. I do about like 20 minutes a day and it does so much for me. I meditate first thing in the morning and right before I go to bed and it's helped me so much. And the app that I use is Headspace. And if you're a BU student, you get it for free. You just have to register through your BU email. It's great. I mean, they have everything from like little cartoon videos. So if you're like, I don't want to just like sit and hear a man like be like be calm the cartoon videos are super fun they have like relaxing nature scenes that you can watch they have courses so i took a whole 30 day managing anxiety course i'm on managing stress right now can you tell what problems i have um those have been really really helpful and they give you like new tips so like i think it was last weekend i like the Saturday where I had a very great day, I forgot to allocate time for my LSAT studying and I kind of like freaked out and went into panic mode. And like, I was able to finish my LSAT studying. It was like completely fine. We were like, just do it now or do it tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) My brain went into like full panic shock. But then after I finished it, I did like a short five minute breathing exercise that I learned from the meditation and was able to calm myself down. Because I was like, oh, my God, all my friends hate me because I had to go do my LSAT studying and they're never going to want to hang out with me again. And then the rational part of my brain was like, dude, what? (laughs) (laughs) It's like the part of your brain that's not listening to the rational part. The the rational part's like, what are you saying? Yeah. Um, I have never meditated. People have told me to meditate. And I'm like, eh. Maybe I'll show you one of the fun cartoon videos. Yeah, maybe. I just have a really bad attention span. So but I, like, I feel like the cartoon videos would be a great way to start because they're cute. Fair and enough. Fun. Fair but enough. also, again, just because meditating works for me doesn't mean that it's going to work for Alexis. She might not like that form of self-care. She might instead want to go for a calm walk that's 10 minutes long. That's or also take an a, extremely hot shower. That's also kind of a form of relaxing your mind. Yeah. So basically, at the end of the day... Just do some self-care. If you are a long-time listener of this beautiful podcast here, you would know we have an episode called Self-Care or Self-Destruction from last year. Some months ago, time isn't real. Um, so just a little self-plug. Yeah, go, definitely listen. We talk listen more that. in depth about, about self-care. But basically, at the end of the day, it's important to take care of your mental health, especially in this crazy time with all of politics and the pandemic all of that going on if you're a college student and you're on zoom all the time and you hate it or you know you're in the workforce and you're on zoom all the time and you hate it just 
make sure you do things for yourself. Reach out to some friends, plan a fun activity, go for a walk. I don't know. Sleep in. Do something that benefits you. Um, Because it's really important to take care of your mental health in times like this. Reach out to other people, too. If you're feeling okay, if you're doing okay, reach out to other people and make sure that they're doing okay, that your loved ones, your friends, and your family are doing okay. So, basically, shut up and start talking about... Seasonal depression. And voter suppression. Bars. (laughs) 